Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta coming to you from inside XL Energy Center before the Wild play the Seattle Kraken. Our next live show is April 4th at 7.15 p.m. at Split Rock, so definitely come on down. Uh, that'll be, that might be our last live show, in fact, before the playoffs. So uh, uh, I highly recommend everybody coming down uh, for that. Thanks to our sponsors, and thanks for joining us inside the Aquarius Home Services studio. Anthony, we just came from uh, an announcement of the Wilds Alumni Association. We're 22 technically seasons into the Wild organization. Three years are going to be playing their 25th anniversary season. I think this is going to be a ramp-up uh, to that. I think it's going to culminate with uh, some sort of cool uh, ring of honor or way of honoring players that we see. You know, we've been in other buildings where it just feels like they always bring back alumni, whether it's in Philadelphia. You remember in San Jose, we were there once, and they brought back Mike Ratchie. They brought players in for every home game. But this is going to be a way... For the Alumni Association to get these guys uh, connected again, uh, the 300 or so alumni that have played for this organization, the 40 or so that live in the Twin Cities. Well, there's so many great guys who have been a part of this organization, but I think the second part of your statement is the reason why this seems overdue, is that so many of these guys live here in the Twin Cities on a permanent basis, live here in the state of Minnesota somewhere. And this is a great way to reach out to them, to bring them back, to have them be a part of the organization help support some of the organization's causes, but just to feel welcome around the building. And when we bump into these guys, it is amazing how closely they still follow NHL hockey, how closely they follow the wild. I see them at golf tournaments in the summer and it's, I think it's exciting. I think it's a a great step for the organization and it's, it's kind of cool to see the organization grow to the point where you've been around long enough now where a ring of honor is legit, where an alumni association is legit, where it isn't just an NHL alumni association. It's a Minnesota wild alumni association. Because because there have been so many good players that have played for this organization that aren't at that point where they're going to get a number nine in the rafters or something like that. But there's got to be a way to honor the Brian Ralston's, the Marin Gabricks who arguably maybe should have his number up there. Um, Eventually the Zach Parisi's, the Ryan Suters and people like that. But to your initial point too, I mean, just even the other day, we're in the locker room, and there, there's Chris Porter with his kids, right? And, and it, you know, here's a player that had, didn't have a long time with the Wild, hasn't played here for a long time, but yet he comes back to the arena. He's completely welcomed with open arms, given a tour of the locker room with his children. Um, Chris Stewart, we've seen that happen, and players on and on. And this is going to be a way, I think, when you talk to any player that's ever played that retired, they miss the camaraderie, being part of a team and this is going to be a way for these players to always have this database to how to get in touch with each other, group chats, uh, community initiatives, and things like that. And those are the things that are most important. And I think in this day and age, it's, it's easy if you're willing to take this kind of a step to keep guys in contact with each other. And there is a, a need for support for those guys, but it's also just you've given a lot to this organization, whether it be years your body, sweat, blood, injuries, whatever it might be, sacrifices for your family in order to do whatever you could when you were in your playing days. And now this is a great way for the organization to give back and say, you're welcome here. Need tickets to a game, need access for uh, memorabilia, whatever it might be. And, and we might lean on you to help with the Wild Foundation has a fundraiser in the summer. We could use a couple of Wild alums to come and help represent the organization. And speaking of which, uh, one of the big first initiatives that the uh, Alumni Association is going to be doing to really kick off the Alumni Association is this summer. We just came from a press conference with the OAR's Mark Roberge, the lead singer. 
and Corey Wong, the local Grammy nominated guitarist. He's a songwriter. We, you all know him probably from whether, I mean, maybe you played hockey against him here. He grew up here in the Twin Cities, but he, you know, late show with, uh, uh, with Stephen Colbert's on there all the time. Um, and, uh, just played the palace theater recently. So these guys uh, were in town to, to announce this press conference and we're at the press conference to announce that this summer, July 7th and 8th, uh, the wild alumni association will hold a three pronged charity event basically. And for $300, uh, you get access to three really cool things. One is an exclusive VIP event that will kick off the weekend at the Pantages uh, theater in Minneapolis. It's July 7th at 7 p.m. The event will be hosted by OERs, uh, Mark Roberge and Corey Wong, and include a red carpet entrance, musical acts, Yam House, and um, uh, Natalie Friedman, the stand-up comics, can be there, food, beverage, live and silent auction, and things like that. Then a crazy game of hockey charity uh, celebrity game, crazy game of hockey uh, based off the uh, crazy game of poker song that everybody should know from our OAR. It's awesome. It's going to be at 12.30 p.m. on July 8th at Trier Rink, and it's going to be um, three... 20-minute periods with 16-minute intermissions. They're going to be doing like a four-round draft that they're going to be doing over the next uh, two or three months as well that they're going to be announcing. Uh, Mark Roberge, Miko Koivu, and Ryan Carter will captain Team OAR. Corey Wong, Jared Spurgeon, Nate Prosser will captain uh, Team Corey Wong. And some of the players here, Nicholas Backstrom, Pierre-Marc Bouchard, West Walls, Kyle Bradziak, Matt Cullen, Devin Dubnik, Darby Hendrickson, Mark Parrish, Clayton Stoner, and Thomas uh, Vanek. This will all uh, continue to grow. Um, current players, Alex Golagowski, Ryan Hartman, and John Merrill are committed as well. Hannah Brandt, Natalie Darwitz, Hillary Knight, Zach Dalpy, uh, Ben Lieber, Joe Maurer, Randall McDaniel, Mike Madonna, all playing in the game, Drew Stafford, New Tom Reed, um, Jamie Hirsch. Um, it's going to be really neat as well. Uh, Dan Finnerty of the Dan Band from the, uh, from the movie Hangover. That'll be fun and old school. Everybody knows that. Um, and I'm telling you, there are going to be some huge names maybe added to this. Uh, it looks like guys like Cuba Gooding Jr. and Dana Carvey are going to be uh, part well, of this. Well, they mentioned well. Mike Madonna at the press conference. Yeah, I know. That's not a bad name. No, that is. And uh, Corey Wong said that he grew up uh, idolizing Mike Madonna, met him at six years old. Corey Wong actually went to the last couple games at the, a uh, couple of the Stanley Cup final games and the last game at the Met Center as well. So, um, and then it culminates, I forgot the, the buried the lead here, it culminates with the concert at the Armory, OAR. And Corey Wong will be doing two full sets at the Armory on July 8th as well. Um, so hopefully everybody uh, will come out and uh, and take part in that. Again, $300 sounds like a lot of money, but if you put together the VIP event, the hockey game, and a concert, I mean, usually you go to an OAR concert, it might cost you that. So uh, really cool. Um, and I'm doing a podcast for my Straight From The Source things with Mark Roberge and uh, Corey Wong later today. So really excited about that. I love the chance to meet the OAR guys maybe six, seven, eight years ago. I can't remember when it was, but I met him up on the union rooftop after a twins game one night. And it was, what was really cool was, and I, I, I wouldn't call myself an OAR junkie or an OAR fan, but I do like a few of their songs. And, but I love just getting to chat with their, with the guys. It's amazing. They're all childhood buddies. Yeah. And that was the cool part of their story for me was that these guys have been, Buddies since a really young age have stayed together. I thought his comments about the similarities today between the music business and the sports business mm-hmm. were interesting. And I have always felt that way. I've always been more awed by musical talent than athletic talent just because of how hard that grind is, how long that road might be. I know we've talked about it before with seeing live acts. I love going to listen to live music in every city. And to hear him put that into those terms, those similarities. And for me, 
when you're on that path to stick together with the buddies that you've been with, you know, there have been times where one guy got an opportunity or an offer to go somewhere else to jump in with this band or to maybe more quickly advance his own personal career. And yet they've stuck together. I think it's a pretty cool story. I just forgot we have a game tonight because Ryan Donato waved in here <laughs> while they're playing Seattle. Um, but yeah, to your point, uh, you know, as I am an ROAR fan. Uh, in fact, I've watched probably about five documentaries on them. I've seen them in concert from everywhere, from Madison Square Garden to Red Rocks to here in Prior Lake and Basilica Block Party and things like that. Um, but uh, what I remember from their from their documentaries that they've done is that they actually like got together at like an eighth grade talent show or something like ridiculous like that, and they've stayed together ever since. And it's pretty cool. And they are, you know. It's kind of your type of music. I mean, they go to whole no, brass I, yeah, band like back their, there. And I everything. like their music. Yeah. And the song he mentioned, This Town, I love that song. We used to use it as yeah, a pre- and yeah, post-game song on back in those days. Fox, but I, I'll never forget it. They used it a ton during the College World Series one year for baseball in Omaha. And it was, we were, I happened to be down there that year with a youth baseball team when I was coaching AJ's team when he was 14, I think. And we went down to Omaha for a youth tournament. So I'd been following the College World Series and the kids were all into it. And that song was being played with crowd shots and everything from Omaha and all the ESPN broadcasts. It was cool. And, and I, I just, I do like their music. And, and I, I, I love listening to live music everywhere we go. And it, I think the, the talent level those guys have is, yeah. is incredible. Who did we see in New York City went to? Tom Cochran, was it? Or it was like, remember we saw? Oh, no, David Sanborn. David Sanborn. That was pretty cool. It was. I mean, talk about old school. Right. Like, I just come and meet you. It was the day of the Charlie Coyle trade. I remember that for some bizarre reason, as you know. Um, and yeah. uh, I come and meet you to drink a lot. And uh, we're sitting at this bar, and David Sanborn, who I used to listen to as a kid, do jazz. Yeah. Uh, I had walked down there yeah. that day. And the in fact, that same night, or that same trip, I saw Winston Marsalis the next night. And it was crazy how it just kind of happened on that trip. I had walked down. It was at the Blue Note that we saw David Sanborn, which is one of my favorite blues and jazz bars in New York. And I had walked down there, and I remember texting you saying, hey, I just walked to this place, and David Sanborn's playing tonight. You have to come down here. And it was the day that we, we flew to New York when Charlie Coyle had been traded. We had left St. Paul. That was the blow up about how the news of Coyle's trade leaked. And yeah. So you were under some stress that day, which I know it doesn't make it all that different for most days, but it was, it no, was, one, it was I, that more one significant. That one I want to throw in somebody right. in front of a but bus. But I remember telling you, hey, well, come, instead of just sitting in your hotel room and stewing, why don't you come down here and listen to music? Because this guy's terrific. And we it was great that yeah. night. I just heard a great one in Philly. And I know we touched on it at the end of the last podcast that Apparently the combination of espresso and vino landed you in the hospital. But for me, I went and listened to some great jazz at the time in Philly, which is my favorite jazz spot in Philly. I do think that that last couple of Americanos I had at 10 p.m. probably wasn't smart. All right, let's get to uh, some wild hockey. Wild coming off a 3-1 win against Chicago. What was the diagnosis, by the way, at the emergency room that you go home and go to bed? They didn't really give me a diagnosis. Yeah, right. <laughs> Other than there's nothing wrong with you. Exactly. That was um, my point. Trust me, there was something wrong with me when I went <laughs> via ambulance. Um, yeah. By the way, I'm in the Just ambulance. Just the fact that you call an ambulance doesn't mean there's something wrong yeah. with you. Did you? You took an ambulance the time your calf hurt too. No, no, that one. Oh, no, I took an Uber, tw two Ubers. 
Um, uh, by the way, I'm in the ambulance and this guy, uh, uh, I won't say his name because he works for the Philadelphia fire department and he asked me what I did. I told him, he goes, he goes, boy, the flyers suck, huh? <laughs> it was a moment of levity. All right, let's go. Um, so a uh, three, one went over the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm um, kind of a blog game. But uh, blog game is actually a good game for the Wild compared to what we had to sit through and watch in Philly when they looked completely incompetent when it came down to hockey. Yeah. But the blog game was them just not making mistakes, um, didn't create a ton, and then obviously get the big win with Brian Hartman's overtime win. I yeah. mean, a breakaway goal. It was interesting because I was asked the question, in fact, during the broadcast, that it was, we had a, a conversation during the game with our producer who said, wow, are these, should these two games cause concern? At that time, it was wild. We're up one zip, and this game causes me no concern because the Philly game, yes, it was a bizarre combination of mistakes and bad decisions and lack of attention to detail for the Wild. And I'd be more concerned if the Chicago game looked like that, whether the Wild won or lost. They came into this game knowing if they didn't make a mistake, Chicago would never score, ever. And in fact, it was one kind of goofy decision at the blue line by the wild that led to the only goal, the only chance Chicago had in the whole game. And if you just make no mistakes, Chicago never scores. You got to play that game for, got to play that game forever. Ryan Carter's uh, joined. Uh, Ryan, are you going to be the first person in the wild ring of honor? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what the standards are yet. No, that's true. But if the number one standard is least important, uh, then yes. Yeah, that's 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 a humble. Not many wild yeah, players in history have won humility. cups. That's true. Yeah, now not with this organization, but <laughs> is everything all right, Anthony's not drinking a. I, I, something Anthony's voice sounds a little rough. Are you getting I, sick? No, I already had my first venti americano with five shots. I'll have another one tonight on the way back to the game. It's two a day. It's routine. Okay, now he's drinking tea. Yeah. So. Right. Later. Are you a big uh, OAR fan? Yeah, crazy game of poker. Yeah, that, that was like right in the wheelhouse of my junior hockey days, like two thousand two ish. So yeah, I'm a big. Uh, I, I'm. I this love, town's my favorite yeah, song. I love there. Shattered. Uh, love and Memories. Uh, Peace. Peace oh, is amazing. Is good. Peace like is an amazing song. Everybody should listen to Peace. Um, but it's yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm doing a podcast with them later. So um, thanks, Ryan. You, you're not on the air tonight, huh? No, I'll stop. Uh, hijacking your guys' podcast. Oh, no, no, it's, it's a national game. That's what's nice about the TV bit. Well, Anthony doesn't like it, but yeah, you get a yeah. night off every once in a while. Yeah, I know. You guys are working. Yeah. I'd prefer to be working every night, <laughs> especially this time of year. Yeah. I think Anthony's voice is shot just from all these late game-winning goal calls that he's calling lately, don't you think? Well, that's it. But again, that's why he's... He's on load management, mm-hmm. so it's nice that we have the national game. <laughs> right, so that's true. Hey, Dean just said off. today is more worried about rest than where they finish, so yeah. that's... That'll be. I do have to. I do need some rest. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'll get a lot of it on this upcoming trip to Vegas. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna pump my honey again. If you need any honey, it's supposed to be good for the vocal cords. I so. absolutely need some more of that honey. It's. They come in the coolest jars ever, too. By the way. Yeah. I don't. I didn't hear the story on the jars, but they. they, they well, here's the. Here's the story on the honey. Harvest it. By the way, if people don't know, Ryan Carter is a beekeeper on the side. Yeah, I'm a beekeeper. Right. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, but. I order these jars through my uncle, who's an importer. Importer, and, exporter. Yes. And, <laughs> and we go through all of this, and he's communicating with somebody uh, in Mandarin, and they get through everything. And 
um, all of a sudden, you know, in the jars, they look great. They're a hexagon, like a B cell. Everything makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the bill comes and the shipping was like four times more than the actual jars were themselves. <laughs> but I couldn't back out because I, I, I mean, my uncle was doing the work and then he communicating with somebody else. So now I have hundreds of those jars in my garage. Um, well, if you're looking for ways to get rid of your honey, we can put it to good use. Yeah. Margo's been raving about how good it is. <laughs> okay. Are the jars reusable? Yeah. So once, it, once ours is empty, I can bring it. The top, though, is that reusable? All right. Dishwasher. Really? You can wash that wood thing on the top? The cork? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds said with extreme confidence. So, first of all, let's just go this route then. Absolutely, it's reusable because there's a fun fact about honey is that it's the only food on earth that never goes bad. Never goes bad. bad. But it does crystallize. Yeah, it will crystallize, but it'll never go bad. So you'll never get some foodborne illness from eating it or not cleaning it. So theoretically, if you washed it with just water, rinsed it, you'd be good. Right. Interesting. How do you, uh, like, uh, if people wanted to buy honey from you, how do they do that? Well, so you have to tweet Anthony. Anthony's the middle guy. So you I'll be tweet the middle Anthony. Man in this business. Yeah, you yep. uh, you use his Venmo. He'll put it out there, and then uh, let me just tell you something. The chances of Anthony looking at his mentions on I, I would find a different middleman. Uh, yeah, Mar- Margo, she's Margo could be it. She she'd follow. Yeah, it. yeah. Actually, yeah. she'd follow it more closely if they just wrote my name in it rather yeah. than tag me, because she'd be searching to see if if this guy thought I said something stupid. Truly, how did you get into this? Like, how did you all of a sudden convince your wife, hey, you know, honey, I think what we're going to do is we're going to put a million bees in the backyard. You remember COVID when it first started? I, I got it somewhat early, and you had to be uh, quarantined for 14 days. Mm-hmm. I was sitting down there, downstairs. So we have the, by the bottom level, like to myself, nobody could come down. I was just isolated, nothing to do. So I said, all right, I'm going to try to do something positive. So I read like two beekeeping books and watched like 100 hours of beekeeping videos on YouTube. And after 14 days, I walk up the stairs <laughs> and I envision myself glowing like a like a bee Jesus. And I just like, was, I'm a beekeeper now. And then it was the very next day I went and bought all my bee supplies and ordered the bees and boom. Eh, but it was it because your daughter has allergies that you my, were trying to create honey that was healthy for her with local allergens. Correct. Right? So a friend had told me, so our, my daughter has allergies and she has food allergies, but she also has seasonal allergies. Oh, wow. And he had told me that the his seasonal allergies are treated pretty well with honey from his backyard. So in lieu of giving my daughter Zyrtec every day, I thought it'd be cool to at least try this. And she was, she's six years old, so it's hard to know if it helps, but in theory, it makes sense because all of the pollens that you'd be allergic to in the air, the bees are, you know, with... You build up an immunity to correct. it, in theory. That Exposure was the theory therapy. behind it, right? Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's um, Actually, it's it. I learned a lot more about bees than I ever needed to know one night. I think we were sitting at a bar in Montreal, if I remember right, and learned about how the difference between wasps and bees yeah. and how the neighbors think they're getting stung, but you can... I can prove to you that it wasn't my bee that stung you. Was, there's a lot more to this, uh, how they're attracted to hot tar. And it's, I, I've learned more about bees than I ever thought I would know. That's pretty cool. Well, thanks, Ryan. Sorry to hijack. Oh, no, yeah, that's no, right. that's, that's good. Um, tell us about. Yep. Yeah, that was the best uh, four or five minutes of the show right Pro- there. Might be the Don't most entertaining. Yeah, no, that's mine, I think. Oh, all right. Yeah. Then leave the backpack. Yeah. 
By the way, I just want you to know, last time Ryan hijacked a show, hijacked a show, it was the last show we did before COVID in Anaheim, where you sat on a couch with Dan Myers and Kevin Gorg, and we were talking about whether or not that the league would ever play in front of no fans. And I'm like, no way they would ever play in no fans. And then next thing you know, they're in a freaking bubble. So, yeah. So hopefully uh, we don't have a global pandemic that's about to come just since Ryan uh, came on here. Tell us about Twill, Anthony. Well, it's a perfect time to go visit Twill if you're turning the page to spring like I am. I'm anxious to get out on the golf course, and they're a great place to go for some golf apparel. They've made the changeover in the whole store from winter to spring. They've got great collections from brands like Peter Millar, Johnny O. So if your travel plans include right now getting out of the winter and into the spring somewhere else, or if you're just preparing for the spring season here in Minnesota, check them out. Twill at the Galleria in Edina. Is your old furnace or AC struggling to provide you comfort? Having new equipment can save you on utilities and repairs and offers increased comfort and improved operation. For a limited time, Aquarius Home Services is offering a new AC or furnace starting as low as only 55 bucks per month. That's 55 bucks per month. Contact my friends over to Aquarius Home Services and request a free estimate. With your comfort and safety as a top priority, a specialist will visit your home, discuss your needs, and provide options that make sense for you and your home. Contact Aquarius Home Services today and get a free estimate. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention, Russo sent you. It's springtime. The weather is getting nicer. The snow is melting. The spring season, selling season is here. Skip the spring cleaning and get straight to spring selling. Be proactive and take action today, even if you're not quite ready to sell your home. So you can be better informed and ready to move forward when the time is right. More people are moving again as interest rates are stabilized. Sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. There's no showings, no decluttering, no repairs, and no stress. It's an easy way to sell your home. They keep you in control so you can sell your home fast. You can pick your closing date and move when it's convenient for you. So find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be right now. There's no obligation. You could do that by going to chrislindahl.com or call 763-401-SOLD. Close with confidence and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. Anthony, let's get to uh, Twitter questions here. Do we talk about, we talked about the Chicago game. Well, a little bit about yeah. the Chicago game, but I think it's interesting to look at what's coming up for the Wild, yeah. because I think right now, as we tape this show, the Wild are about to face the Kraken here Monday night in St. Paul. It's a start of five in a row against playoff teams for Minnesota, Seattle, Colorado, two against Vegas, one against Pittsburgh, and might be a season defining five game stretch for the Wild because they're sitting in a great spot. They took advantage of what they were supposed to. 11 out of the last 16 were against non-playoff teams. And as we talked on the last show, Wild have the fifth best record in the NHL against non-playoff teams. They've done what they were supposed to do in those games. They're 15-15-3 against teams that are in the playoffs right now. And I think there's a little bit, the players won't talk about it. I am sure Dean won't talk about it. But I think there's a little bit to be proven during this stretch not to mention the jockeying for playoff position. And there's an interesting balance. Last year, the Wild really pushed hard down the stretch to get home ice in that series against St. Louis, and, and we all know that it didn't wind up helping them. Would rest have helped them more? I don't know. This year, I think it's, in, it's an interesting discussion to have, is how hard would you push for playoff positioning right now? When you look at it, you could finish anywhere from first to third in the division. If you're first, you wind up against either Seattle or Winnipeg in all likelihood as a wild card team. 
if you finish second or third, you're going to get Colorado or Dallas, one or the other. You know it's going to be, I think, a, a more rigid series. How much would you value where you finish, either finishing first, getting home ice in that potential 2-3 series, as opposed to just saying, I don't care who we play, I don't care where we play, let's get guys rested and healthy. I would do that. Would you really? Uh, yeah, I really would. I, I think I don't know about rested. Like I don't think there needs to be a load management, but I think if you're banged up, you're out. Like I'm surprised like a Jake Middleton's playing tonight. Uh, clearly he got hurt the other night. Um, now maybe he feels fine. I'm not in his body. But like I, I just think that like that with all these extra bodies around, to me it just makes sense. So maybe now they're they're pushing. They want to play a good game against Seattle. Playing Middleton, you're obviously a better player, a better team with him in the lineup. But as we get to the final four or five games of the season especially that game in Nashville, which is always a hard physical game, Anthony, um, where the Wild also seem to always get guys hurt and always lose. I, If there's a player of substance, other than maybe Kaprizov, who's probably going to want to play uh, just to get in a rhythm, I take out Spurgeon. I take out anybody, Zuccarello, any of these guys that you cannot afford to get hurt. Well, I think that might be the case when you get to that point. Because yeah. after this five-game stretch to which I referred – they play four and six to end the season with some travel. Mm -hmm. There's a home game against St. Travel. Louis. There's back-to-back -back in Chicago, home against Winnipeg, and then mm -hmm. two Nashville. So it's four and six with probably, what, three travel days mixed in there. Mm -hmm. And I think during that stretch, depending on what's happened in the first five, so it's hard to know because right. if you've gone five and oh and you're sitting in the spot where you, with two more wins, you win the division or whatever, but it, let's say you've gone oh four and one now you're going to say, all right, it doesn't matter. We're going to finish third. Let's just go. So I think it's it's hard to look at the last four, but I'm just curious heading into these nine. For me, I think it does matter. I think you really – I don't know that I'd – I'm certainly not going to push an injured player to go, but I don't think I'd be resting guys. I mm -hmm. think I'd be looking at this thinking there's a huge difference based on who these opponents might be. I still believe Colorado is the one team in the West that has a chance to be different. And a part of it is the players they have. Part of it is the experience they have. Would you rather go into a first-round series against a Seattle club that's never been there before? Yeah. that They've got some guys who have been mm -hmm. there, but not together, as opposed to a team that just won the Cup that has a pretty good idea what it takes to win in the postseason. Mm -hmm. I'd rather not bump into that team for as long as possible. And even if it's just second round instead of first round, right? I think it makes a big difference. Yeah. I think there's a... But to, but to your original point, I don't think in this league anymore it really matters home road and and who starts. I well, think the Wild do you know that, that last this year, year the road teams in the NHL have the second highest point percentage they've ever had. That's crazy. There's only been one well, season where yeah. road teams have had a better record than they yeah. do this year. I mean, look at the Seattle team. They're twenty four nine and four on the road. So you think they if the Wild win the division, you think they'll be intimidated by starting here? Probably not. And by the way, if you look at their team, other than their goaltending, which I still think is amazing that they're where they are based on their two goaltenders, but they have a lot of good players on this team. A lot of good players, but they're lacking the one true superstar. And I know they've got mm -hmm. a, a, a future superstar in Maddie Beneers. Mm -hmm. But I think this team is, I think it's interesting to look at them. I think they've overachieved. Yes, they're getting scoring from all four lines. But it doesn't, to me, look like a team that would be frightening in the postseason. I don't think they have quite enough grit in their lineup. And I also don't think they have that one guy that when it, we've seen it for so many years, there's a level of play in the regular season. It gets ratcheted up 10, 
in terms of how hard people compete in their own zone when you get to the playoffs. And I think at that point, you have to have a superstar. You have to have the guy that, that when the other side is defending at a level you don't see night in, night out during the regular season, a guy that can still make a play. The Wild have it in Kaprizov. I don't think Seattle has it. And I think that would be a, that's part of the reason why. Colorado has it in Nathan McKinnon. Yep. You know that no matter what you do defensively, Nathan McKinnon is going to make three plays a night that are going to create scoring chances no. out of nothing. And McCarver. And McCarr, but just a horse. Yeah, yeah. A guy you can ride. And I don't see that on Seattle's roster. So what about Dallas? Who's the team that I, might I think they do. I yeah, think I agree I, with you. I think they and I think they ride Jamie Ben. Mm-hmm. That team is defined by Jamie Ben. He plays with an edge that everybody else seems to feed off. And you're talking about a third line guy who's scored over thirty goals this year. Mm-hmm. And you know, Jason Robertson's is a, a gifted scorer. He's not in the same stratosphere as Kirill Kaprizov in terms of skill set and the way he dominates a game, but he can score. Pavelski's a proven NHL scorer. So you've got that line, and then you've got the Jamie Ben line. But I, to me, Rupe Hintz. Right. But to me, it, that team goes as Jamie Ben mm-hmm. goes. And I watched the game the other night, back against Seattle. He scored in the last second. To yeah. push the game into overtime. The play he made in the final seconds of that game delivered a cross check on some, he knows it's jailhouse rules in the last eight yeah. seconds. No referee is calling. Nobody's that. gonna call it. And he plays with that kind of edge. I I think that team and he doesn't over the course of the season, there are nights where he's invisible. I get it, and I, we've seen it. We don't ever see it against the wild. Yeah. He always seems to be at his antagonistic best against Minnesota. But I think that team goes as he goes, and yeah. and he's proven that he's he's been in big playoff games. He's led that that team has won together. So I I just think you've got a chance to play Seattle or Winnipeg as opposed to Colorado or Dallas if you win the division. I think there's a huge advantage there for the Wild. Yeah, it's funny. I remember it too. I just had this memory of 2016. I was sitting in this very chair on the phone with Jamie Ben for this big feature I was doing to advance. That wild, it was 2016 they played the wild, right? 2016 or 17? I think it was uh, 16, because then they yeah. played Winnipeg yeah. in 17. Yeah. I remember it's like when you interview him on the phone or in person, he's just such a different human being, like all players, right? Like, than the nasty guy you see on the ice at times. So. Yeah, it, tremendous guy, like tremendous Lina. leader. He's been, and he's just been the, and the way he's embraced the role that he mm-hmm. has there now. Is he's still on first power play, but he's he's playing a third line role and yeah. playing with a couple of young guys, and so that's a part of the discussion. Then I think the other part for Minnesota is, I think these, Dallas is winning the division. By the way, just I, they have I, such a cupcake schedule, though. They do, but Colorado's got a game in hand over both clubs. Yeah, they They're, play Anaheim. They tonight. play Anaheim tonight. They'll still have a game in hand because the yeah. Wild also play tonight. But then Minnesota faces them in Denver on Wednesday night. And so you're saying guaranteed two points. No, I'm saying I think that game might <laughs> yeah. dictate if yeah. if if Minnesota was able to maintain their point lead tonight, they'd have you know let's say they win or Colorado wins. That game might dictate what happens yeah. the rest of the way. It's but interesting I, the two games against Vegas coming up. Uh, that to right. me is a good measuring stick. Exactly, you know? and that's what I was yeah. getting at. Is the other part of this five game stretch is the measuring stick part, which is here's a Seattle club that is rolling toward the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Colorado has been outside of Minnesota the best team in the well Colorado and Vegas both. If you look at we just showed this on the broadcast the other day. 
everybody talked about at the deadline this year, the East being the arms race and everybody loading up. Six of the seven best teams in the NHL over the last six weeks are in the West. Mm -hmm. Minnesota's number one. Boston's number two. Colorado and Vegas are three, four. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Vancouver and I forget who the other team is that's in there. But it's six out of the best seven have Mm -hmm. been in the Western Conference. These are teams that they maybe made more subtle moves at the deadline, but they are playing great hockey right now. And and so you're going to go into this stretch with Colorado, Vegas, Vegas, Pittsburgh, who is going to be desperate for their playoff lives, I think you'll learn a lot about what you have. It should be playoff atmosphere in all five Mm -hmm. of these games. And granted, the Wild are still playing without Kirill Kaprizov, probably for all five of these. But I think this is a a pretty good measuring stick for Minnesota. They're coming off of back-to-back games where I don't think they looked as sharp as they've looked during this stretch with Philly and Chicago. And now it's time to, all right, well, how do we, how do you match up against these teams that you know are going to be in the postseason? Yeah. Seattle is going to be a big test tonight. All right. Let's talk uh, some girl Kaprizov. Um, yeah, we've seen him around the rink a bunch uh, the last couple of days, still not allowed on the ice. You can see he's champing at the bit, uh, champing at the bit to get on the ice. Uh, Anthony, um, I was a little concerned the other day when, when, when Dean and he might have misspoke, but he basically said, uh, you know, somebody asked him if he's optimistic that that uh, Kaprizov's going to be ready for the playoffs, and he said, "I'm hopeful." That's concerning. Well, a little bit, although it was he was it was Dane Mizutani's yeah, yeah. question, and Dane said he used hopeful in the question, right? And so Dean was somewhat he, quoting him yeah, by yeah, saying, yeah. "Yes, I'm hopeful that he's back." I don't. I haven't heard anything that would lead me to believe that well, they I, have any yeah. concerns that he's going to be back. I guess for the my postseason. my biggest wonder about them is is what he's going to look like because I do think the injury has is longer than a three to four week window in uh, good times. You know, if you have the um, the latitude, the luxury to wait, I think it's a longer injury. Obviously, the Wild don't have that luxury, so I guess my biggest concern is what does he look like in game one? Because we've seen guys with injuries that have had to rush back for, we saw Jared Spurgeon in 2018, he had the hammy. He should not have been playing in that series, but he had to. And he was on one leg. I mean, I remember after game six um, up in Winnipeg, uh, was it game five up in Winnipeg where they got eliminated and he unwrapped his, took his pant off and his, his, his leg was wrapped. <laughs> like, you, yeah, and that, you know, that ha- we've seen that a few times where I always am amazed after every playoff series when all of a sudden you realize and start to find out what the injuries were that guys were playing with. And I think that's been one of the luxuries for Minnesota is that they've built a little bit of a cushion here. They've been able to be patient. They've built a roster with some depth, to Billy Garen's credit with the guys he brought in, that they haven't had to push guys. They haven't had to force guys back in the lineup. Dean had made the comment a couple of times during the last few games when Brodeen was out and Felino was out where he just said, Hey, if this was game one of the playoffs, they'd probably be playing, but they had the luxury of being able to leave them on the side, give them an extra three, four, five, eight days to rest, recover. And I think that's going to pay dividends for this club down the stretch. You were talking earlier about guys that might be banged up over these last nine games that they'll have the ability because of the depth on this roster that they can say, all right, well, let's make sure. Let's give him these two days, these two games off. That means he gets six days off or something like that where they can get guys back to 100% before they thrust him in the lineup. 
Um, EK Singer asks, uh, thoughts on Gustav Nyquist to start playing the playoffs? Seems like a really high-stakes time to figure out chemistry, where he fits best. Uh, he's going to be back way before the playoffs, I think. He's he's taken part in morning skates, practices. Um, I Hasn't mean, been cleared for full contact right, yet, right. though, which is, that's a significant step. And trying to simulate battle drills, and you know as well mm-hmm. as I, how limited the practice schedule is mm-hmm. going to be between now and the finish. So you're not going to have high-level battle drills during a morning skate. They're going to have to try to simulate that. But I don't the, think there's the any point, way yeah. that they put him in a playoff lineup if he hasn't played regular season games. Mm-hmm. Not For sure not game one. Yeah. Maybe it's a middle of the series and you need a spark. But I think that I still believe that if he doesn't play the last three, two, three, four games of the regular season, that we won't see him for sure not in game one right. and, and probably not until it was a backs to the wall kind of moment in that first round. I could see him return with about a week left in the season. I think that's what they're hoping so he can get well, to the question. For sure. Absolutely. The, to what the questioner's point is, uh, I think that I, I think his it's valid. Uh, what you're saying and what he's saying is that they want him to get some games. Right. Um, and they do have to figure out where he fits. And yeah. we've we've talked about it. I think we talked about it on our last show that if you start to look at the wild lineup and you assume that Hartman's back in the middle with Kaprizov and Zuccarello and Kaprizov's healthy. You're not going to do anything with the Erickson, Act, Johansson, Boldy line. This is assuming that nobody else gets hurt and nothing changes in terms of the way guys are playing. Nyquist's fit might be then on a third line with Goudreau. You know Goudreau's going to be there. Yeah, and probably so then Foligno. is it Sunquist or Felino that's the other guy on that line? It, whichever one of those guys is not is probably on your fourth line. Duhame would be a great fourth line guy. Dewar's a likely fourth line guy. Reeves has been... Yeah, playing. The I, I still play I'll lately. go with what I, I my still guess if they're completely healthy is what I said on the last podcast. I actually think Sunquist is the with Shaw and Steele are out of the lineup. I think Reeves is in. I think Felino's on the third line. And I think unfortunately Duhame's on the fourth line. Yeah, possibly. I think the only thing that that I would wonder about Sunquist would be Sunquist or Reeves. Yeah. I think that all the other guys that's probably where they land. And I think what happens between here and the finish will dictate yeah. that if. If Sunquist proves that he can continue to do what he's done since mm-hmm. in these last, let's say, five games, six games, it would be hard to take him out. Reeves has been a nice boost, and the Dean has talked a lot about his leadership, and it's harder to lead when you're not in the lineup than yeah. it is when you're in the lineup. Not and I, ju- I think they love the energy he brings to the bench between That's shifts I mean. and things it's like hard that. To, it's, yeah. it's, you can be a leader in terms of how you carry yourself and – prep into the playoffs and all that stuff, but it's really hard to lead when if you're a scratch. And because of just that, that there are moments where you can still lead, but not during a game. And that's that's where he's brought a lot to the table. Here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Royal Credit Union's smart checking accounts offer no monthly fees and no minimum balance. Make the switch to a Royal checking account and you'll also get real-time transaction alerts, free mobile check deposits, and surcharge-free access to over 40,000 ATMs across the U.S. Enjoy financial freedom with no minimum balance and no monthly fees when you switch to Royal's smart checking account. Learn more and open your Royal Credit Union smart checking account online at rcu.org slash go checking. By NCUA. Here's a word from Moe's Tavern. Moe's is a great spot. Moe's, uh, at, it's inside Fogarty Arena up in Blaine. Terrific menu, and I know that they've expanded their pizza menu recently. It's a great place to watch a game. Go check it out. Terrific menu. They've got great sandwiches, great burgers, and check out their flatbread pizzas. They're outstanding. You won't be disappointed. Here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. 
Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Uh, welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta. April 4th at 7.15 p.m. is our next live podcast up at Split Rocks. Hope to see you there. Andrew Woodworth asks, um, Boldy has obviously been fantastic since the Kaprizov injury. Is there any worry that once 97 returns, players like Boldy who have stepped up will regress slightly knowing their leader is back? Um, taking their foot off the gas, so to speak. It's, I mean, it's a valid question. I think the biggest thing is that because Kaprizov gets so much ice time in those key situations and power play, it takes away from the ability of some of these guys to, quote, step up. And I think that's part of what we've seen here is not only guys realizing that they have to step up, but they're getting much more opportunity to do just that. Yeah, and Boldy's ice time isn't up as significantly as I thought it was, It uh, the way it feels. And part of that is because they haven't had as many power play chances lately where he was getting so much power play time before when they were getting more opportunities. But I think you might see his statistics regress a little bit just because, to your point, they're not on the ice as many offensive zone faceoffs, maybe a minute or so, a minute and a half scaled back. But I don't think you'll see his caliber of play regress. I think we've seen a kid that has grown up that is, to say this, might sound the wrong way, but has realized just how good he can be. Completely. And I, I don't think we'll see the play regress. We might see the statistics regress a little bit just because of lack of opportunity. I think I said on last week's podcast, not in probably an eloquent way, but what, what I was trying to say is that I think three, four years from now, if he is a star in this league and is living up to that contract, I think that if we ask him what the turning point is, he might actually look at this eight, nine, 10 game stretch and say, that's where I realized how good I could be. Johnson from Wisconsin asked, Brock Faber has made it to the uh, NCAA uh, Frozen Four. What does GM uh, Billy Guerin do with him after the Gophers win the national title? They're signing him to an entry-level three-year contract, and they're burning the first year, and they're bringing him to Minnesota, and maybe he's one of those guys that gets one of those final regular season games to give a Spurgeon or a Dumba or a Brodean a rest. Ben Hurdle asks, I would imagine that Reeves stays in the lineup through the end of the regular season. Does his playing status change in the playoffs? We just talked about that, um, Anthony. Um, you know, I just think, let's put it this way, even if he starts, doesn't mean that he's going to end there. I mean, that they have a lot of bodies here. I think this is going to be one year where we could see them make changes. And also, it changes based on the type of player, type of team they're playing. Like, if if, if McDermott's in Colorado's lineup, Reeves should, probably should play against Minnesota, or against Colorado, and things like that. Yeah, and if he's not, then I'd, maybe, yeah. I'd prefer a fourth line that maybe didn't yep. even have Sundquist on it, that was more of a a Shaw, Dewar, Duhame fourth line where it was more speed-based. Especially the with penalty, PKs. If the penalty kill's struggling, you might want Shaw back in the lineup because he's been such a good penalty killer. It, mm-hmm. it really depends on who you're playing, what the flow of the series has been, but I think the luxury Minnesota has right now is we're talking about six guys who have been pretty good players for this team over the course of the mm-hmm. season, and only three of them can be in the lineup every night if everybody is healthy. Yep. Um, just going through the questions here because uh, we got some that we've already talked about. Um, well, and there's a bunch of questions about. We talked about 
how important the rest of the schedule would be. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick right now, what's your prediction for one, two, three in the Central Division? Where do the teams finish? I probably, even though at the beginning, uh, I'll contradict myself, even though at the beginning I said, uh, I think Dallas is in the driver's seat based on the schedule. I think it's going to be Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota. Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota. Yeah, I. It's hard to argue with Dallas's schedule. The, the The Stars have nine games remaining heading into Monday night, and only two of them are against playoff teams. They have one game in Colorado, one game at home against Vegas. Minnesota's got this five-game stretch plus a Jets game, six out of their nine against playoff teams. Dallas has the tiebreaker of regulation wins right now. I think, but Colorado to me still looks like the best team. So you're going Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, is that what you said? I'll say Minnesota finishes second. I'm going to say it goes Colorado, Minnesota, Dallas. Interesting. Even with that schedule. I do. I just, I think Minnesota and Colorado are playing the best hockey right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Brandner asks, uh, uh, who's the guy not on the roster that the Wild are 100% counting on to be ready next year? I mean, obviously, Rossi's one. I would say Brock Faber is the other. Brock Faber, the goal is to be uh, the, the Matt Dumba replacement going into next year. Um, I know this is a little touchy. Um, people are A lot of people are asking me about the, you know, the TV situation and things like that. Uh, are you able to say what you think happens in this situation? I don't think anything's going to change in the in the short-term future. Yeah, not the rest and of this season. Not the rest sure. of this season for sure, and probably not through the baseball season. Nobody knows. It's I don't really understand exactly how all of the intricacies <laughs> of the bankruptcy, bankruptcy system work, yeah. or what the parts of the company are that are affected. I know there have been a lot of rumors about somebody that, that there's so many potential solutions. Somebody could come in and buy the company or buy the regionals. Somebody could assume part of the debt and partial ownership of the company. The league can basically the, produce the, the, and the distribute. The league can, the teams can. It, I, I really no. don't know. The, the, That's the one thing about bankruptcy. It just kind of reminds me of the old Seinfeld. Like, you don't even know what a write-off is. No, you know? I don't. No, but they do. Right. Um, you know, but the but I think when I think anytime you hear bankruptcy and you're employed by that people, it's panic mode. Whoa. I remember <laughs> in 2007, the Star Tribune went into bankruptcy and I was looking for jobs everywhere not understanding that the strip was going nowhere. You know, like that's just right. the way it works. And as you know, I have a high panic level most of the time yeah, anyway. I know. So, no, but anytime but that you I, I bet you Margo's a little worried, more worried than you. A little bit. She'll be more worried if she listens to this show now. But it, it's the, the truth is there are just things you can't control. And that's one of them for certain. Anytime the people who sign your paychecks declare bankruptcy, it's not a good thing. Yeah. So we, I'm always hopeful that things just stay as is. You just never know. We thought that we didn't know if it was going to be a good thing or bad thing when Fox sold the regionals and, mm-hmm. and we wound up purchased by Sinclair. It turned out to be not any real major changes on a daily basis for guys like me anyway. But we'll see. It it's it always is a little bit scary. Just the, don't know the answer. By the way, I, uh, to your point, the only two people that listen to every second of this show is your wife and my mother. And here was proof positive of that. Why were you in the emergency room? <laughs> that was the only I had that voicemail the other day. All right, um, let's uh, let's uh, add, yeah. Well, we got to answer the question for nah, no reason. Yeah, for right. absolutely no reason. There was definitely a reason. All right, Bosker asked, uh, "Do you feel NHL officiating has taken a turn for the worse as we get closer to the playoffs?" I don't know, taking a turn for the worse. I just think it's so beyond inconsistent. The ones that drive me crazy are, are like Erickson Eck just getting mauled, and then the other day they call him for that rink. That little chintzy hold. It's like, Mike, like, you know, it just it makes no sense to me. You know? 
Erickson Eck is the one head scratcher with the Wild at all times. He has to lead the league in uncalled penalties against. Yes. It's crazy. And we've shown sequences of them. I don't know if it would, let's say just for example, that he flopped around like some of the known flop, like Michael Bunting. If he played the game like Michael Bunting in Toronto and the number of times he would go down on a half-ass check, yeah. who knows how many penalties he'd draw, but that's just not the way he's wired. And it it is crazy. I don't know that I'd I'm not sure I'd say they took a turn for the worse. I think the inconsistency level has been higher this year. I don't know if it's because there's more video reviews and that there's a little more light on some of the decisions they make, but usually when we've gotten into the playoffs, I think the officiating has gotten better and better. There haven't been very many egregious misses. I the, the one that stands out to me is still the San Jose Game was a game yeah. six against Vegas that were the the cross check to Pavelski that yeah. was blatantly missed and you know that it that's changed, why it changed the rule exactly yeah. and but that other than that for the most part I don't think officiating has played a major role in determining the outcome of postseason games I hope it's not the case again this year uh, tweet ninety six asks what's the strangest thing you've ever seen or heard into a contract I know some get their own rooms things like that. Actually, in the NHL, it's standard contracts. There's nothing that you can put in there unless you're an entry-level guy to get performance bonuses and things like that. Everybody gets their own room, actually, in today's day. Um, Rob Schmidt asks, how do you see the defense pairings line up for the playoff run? That's a good question. Obviously, we know the top four is Middleton and Spurgeon, Brodeen and Dumba. I think the last is probably uh, Maryland and Klingberg, don't you think? I don't know. I, I was going to ask Dean this Not morning, and, and I'll wait and, and ask him before we do the game in Vegas. You think Goose? But Alex Goligoski has, it's crazy. He's played 22 games in a row now, mm-hmm. and all of those other guys have been out at some point during that stretch. Merrill's been a scratch. Yeah. Addison's been a scratch. Klingberg out, obviously, with an injury now. I think they are comfortable with those two guys being on a third pair. They've played together before so in Dallas. So you think Goligoski, Klingberg? I think right now it's, I'm anxious to talk to Dean about it because when they made all these trades, we talked about this last week, Alex Goligoski is the seventh defenseman. You acquire a new defenseman in Klingberg, and instead of him getting bumped to eighth, he gets bumped into the lineup and then stays there. <laughs> it's crazy how it worked yeah. out that way, but a guy that, really couldn't get into the lineup the first half of the season has now been a guy playing every night. Last year, remember at this time they had kind of lost confidence in him. He had played every night through mid January and then down the stretch, they had determined that they needed to be bigger, stronger, more rigid this year. Instead, it's gone the other way where he couldn't get in the lineup the first half. Now he's playing every night. It, it could go back to like what we were talking about with the forwards, where it, if you need a penalty killer, you need a, a more of a defensive-minded guy, maybe he's the guy. If you need a jolt on the power play or a little bit of a bigger body guy, maybe maybe it's Merrill, power play, it's Addison. Who knows? But I think right now the way they've played Goligoski throughout all of this certainly has me thinking that it might well be Goligoski and Klingberg on the third set heading into the postseason. Sorry, just breaking news by my editor uh, told me that first round Joe and me are traveling. Uh, we were trying to figure that out. Just that to, is breaking news. That is I, breaking news. I know you were stressed. I was stressed. Uh, Ryan Erickson. level. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I better, maybe we should make reservations in the urgency rooms in Denver, Dallas, and Vegas, just in case. Do you think case. that it's possible that maybe one reason why my heart 
palpitates the way it does is because of you. I mean, well, is I it possible? I wasn't with you when yeah. your your calf hurt in Vegas. Yeah. I, yeah, I know, but you were texting me, making me make a trade while I was I like was, under anesthesia. I was in fact, it was to trade John Klingberg in our fantasy yeah, hockey I league. I gave him to you, or you, you gave get, him to me. I got him from you. Oh, okay, but it was. But, I have to remind him but of that. This last one, we were walking down the street in Philadelphia mm -hmm. after dinner, and Dane and I were going to go listen to music, and you said, "No, I got to go home." And then I find out that like an hour later, you're in an ambulance going to the emergency yeah, that's room. That's true. And then the next morning, I purposely told Dane not to tell you because I didn't want to deal with this. Right. Yeah. Which, right. you know, if you have too much coffee, call the emergency, call 911, yeah. go to the hospital. That is kind of the second time that's <laughs> happened. Uh, Ryan Erickson, uh, what are the odds the Wild bring back uh, Joe Hansen? I think it's pretty good as long as he's willing to take a short-term, lower, cheapish contract, don't you? I do. Um, uh, let me see. People have asked you a bunch about, uh, somebody asked you what you think of prime ribs since you're such a snake steak snob yeah well i, I don't uh, my word he yeah. didn't say it's call you a snob i did i'd admit i i'd admit that i'm a little bit of a steak snob i guess in that i really know what i like yeah. and i prefer if i'm gonna have steak i want it to be a great steak and and that's I, people ask in fact we had people asking us after the show the other night at split rocks about best steak place here there i don't eat steak on the road nearly as often anymore because of the fact that I prefer the steaks I get at Kowalski's, frankly, and I like how I prepare them. So it's, I am picky. And if that means snobbish, then I'm snobbish. I'm not a huge prime rib guy. I'm, if I'm going to have steak, I would prefer it to be a ribeye, a good Akaushi filet that's got mm -hmm. kind of the ribeye marbling to it. I've had more filets lately than I ever used to have just because they happen to have looked good each time I've gone in there. But if we were going to go get a, a great meal on the road, I would probably lean toward a high-end ribeye at, at places like the Metropolitan in Seattle or Mastro's in a couple of the cities that we visited, the XO in Cleveland, are those come to mind as my favorite steak places in the country. And But some of the times where some of the other guys we travel with will be, I'm going to go here and get a steak. I, I just would never get a steak there. Yeah. And, and so prime rib, is it's not my favorite cut of meat. I've had it, and... So I, I wouldn't be the right guy to ask for where the best prime rib place is in Minnesota. Um, John Rickard, this is actually a funny uh, question. He goes, can you, you tell us more about the musical collaboration between the Wild OAR and Corey Wong uh, that we talked about at the beginning of the show? But he asks, are you involved, upset that they didn't involve Trampled by Turtles? Actually, they were trying to, and I put them in touch, but um, Trampled on July 8th has a concert in Duluth. And what's funny about that is yesterday I got a text from somebody in the band like asking the same exact question. I'm like, well, this might be below your purview or, you know, above your pay grade, but uh, you guys actually were, they were trying to get you involved, but you have a concert, but he didn't know. Uh, Skylar asked if the Wild do sign Poland, uh, where does he fit in the Wild's longer term plans? I think I'm um, a depth guy. I don't think he's somebody that they're going to just guarantee games to, uh, but I know they had a good call with him yesterday and what that means. Who knows? Um, anything else that you saw on here, Anthony? Nope. Who starts game one of the playoffs? Is it an easy decision? I think Gus. I think right now, assuming nothing changes between now and the end of the season, and when I say something changes, I mean like Marc-Andre Fleury goes out and has three shutouts in a row, or Gustafson goes out and gets lit up a couple times. I think right now, if game one of the playoffs was tonight against Seattle, I know, I know Fleury's starting tonight against Seattle, but if it was game one of the playoffs, I think it would be Gustafson. Here's a good final question. John Sanselman has prediction for the major awards. Let's go for it. Uh, Hart Trophy, we both know Connor McDavid. It has to be McDavid. Yep. Calder. Matty Beneers? Uh, yeah, I'd go Beneers. Uh, Vesna. Allmark? 
Olmark or Ottinger, possibly. Olmark has to win it. Uh, Jack Adams is the interesting one. Uh, it would be hard. I, I know. I don't think he'll win it, but I would go Dave Haxtell. But yeah. I don't. I don't think he'll win it. It's I think a good he's. Pick. I think it's he's overachieved pick. more than any coach in the league this year yeah. with Seattle. But I, I don't think he'll win it. I'd be hard. It'll if, be hard to go against Boston, Jim. Yeah, if Jim Boston Montgomery. sets the league record for points and wins. Yeah. you almost have to go that route. But I, but I think it's. Uh, I'd go Hackstall if it's me voting, and I do get a vote for that one. I'd go Hackstall, and I might go with Lindy Ruff as the number two guy. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Norris is the final one that he asked about. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, I think Carlson's going to win it. I do think Carlson's going to win it. He, I don't think. I, I'm the wrong guy to ask because I think the Norris is the most misrepresented mm-hmm. award that's given. It always goes to defensemen that score a bunch of points, mm-hmm. not the best defenseman yep. in the NHL. And I don't think Eric Carlson's the best defenseman in the NHL. He might be the best offensive defenseman in the league, and I don't even, and I say might be because he's playing for a team for which there are no rules. Yeah. Just go, 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 and it doesn't matter if you win, lose, or otherwise. If you had a defenseman that, I need a guy to lead the rush to score a goal on this shift, everybody in the league picks Kale McCarr mm-hmm. over Eric Carlson. And I just think there are a number of defensemen that I would rather have if I was starting a club than Eric Carlson. Yeah. Um, Trying to think. But I do think he'll probably win it just because his point total is absurd compared to other defensemen this year. But I I just, he's not the guy I'd want if I was starting a building a blue line. I think Adam Fox has a definite chance. Uh, Limholm, maybe. Yeah. Josh Morrissey. Well, Morrissey's had a terrific year. Spurgeon's in had a great year. He has, but he and but and all of those guys are guys that that's my point is that if I'm yeah. starting a blue line, I'd pick one of those guys. I'd pick McCarr in a heartbeat. But I think Carlson will probably win it this year just because of how far above the rest he is in terms of points. He also asked if there's if you think there'll be any wild finalists. I mean, Kaprizov maybe top five for Hart, maybe. Um, he won't be top three, though. Won't be one of the finalists. Yeah, no. Um, uh, I don't think Erickson Eck will be a top yeah. three for the Selkie. Um, Spurgeon maybe top five. Norris probably not. Um, the only one I would say again is like you know how do you not put Spurgeon as like a, right in the top five for Lady Bing? I mean that guy. Yeah, it's unbelievable. The num the number of minutes he plays without ever taking penalties is crazy. Watch, we'll take one tonight. All right. Well, thanks. Um, awesome show. I think. If I do say so myself, this it, was an it awesome was adequate. show. Yep, uh, it was an adequate. Um, thanks to our incredible sponsors uh, at Twill in the Dyna Galleria, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Nedgo Water Treatments, Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Royal Credit Union, Moe's Tavern, Bosch Law Firm, and Kowalski's. See you April 4th at 7.15 p.m. at Split Rocks. And this is Michael Russo and Anthony LaPanza coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Thanks, everybody. So much coming out, there's nothing going in I know that you feel like you're never gonna win Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner Why were you in the emergency room?